So welcome everybody. I'm Ron Thompson. I get to be one of the pastors here. Actually, the very first service I was a pastor here 25 years ago. And so, oh man, you guys are so awesome. I just love the fact. In fact, we've been 25 years. This is the first day we've ever had snow on our anniversary, just so you know. And uh, well, I've been telling everybody that that isn't snow. That's, those are sprinkles that God's given us for our donuts, okay? So that's what that is. It just adds icing to the whole day, okay, as we look at that. Uh, just love it. Uh, I know it's kept some people away, but uh, you're here, and I love that. I love the fact that you came uh, to celebrate with us together during this time. Today, we have founding members here. People were here actually before me. You're going to see some of those in a video in just a moment. Uh, we have folks here that were, uh, I would call, early adapters. In fact, Kaylee, who was baptized just a moment ago, her grandparents came on the very first day March 1st, 1992, they came to know Jesus Christ. Their family now follows Christ, and now Kaylee's being baptized and following Christ as well. It's just so cool uh, just to witness that and see that as well. It's just wonderful. We have longtime members, people who've been here for, uh, you know, talking to people, they were at Gold Run. You know, our history is Gold Run Elementary School, Nevada City, and then the Veterans Hall in Grass Valley, and then here. And so people seasonally came during all of those times. Uh, and just, I'm just so glad that you're here. As Mark said, we have people who came from out of town just to be here to uh, celebrate with us today. And I just want to say right up front, uh, this laid, laid the groundwork, uh, that we say as a church that we believe that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. So we just want to say that right up front, just to get that, you know, everybody that we can be geared into that. And what we believe is that because he's the hope of the world, that he's called us to engage with him uh, to be the hope, to bring him into our world. And so that's what we do. That's what we've been doing for 25 years. Uh, but we're more in purpose with that than we've ever been. And I'm so proud of our church and where we are right now and what God's doing. And we believe that as we engage in that mission together, that's what's going to happen is that we're going to grow. We're going to be transformed and we're going to become more and more like Jesus Christ as we engage in that mission together and that we will actually be a blessing to our world. Can you imagine that? The church being a blessing to our world is that's what we want to do, and we want the world to see us in that way. Now, we've learned a lot over 25 years, both good, and I was thinking about the next word. Which word would I use? Both good and painful. That's what I'll say. Painful over the last 25 years. But one thing is that we've kept our eyes on God and what he has for us, and what we want to do is to help people know the fullness of Christ, the fullness of, the, of life that they can have as they walk with him, and countless numbers of people. And I, just, I don't know if it's just a coincidence, I don't believe so, but I'm receiving so many emails and cards and notes from people who are telling me, here's what this church has done in my life. And it's just inspired me beyond no end uh, to say that what we're doing is what God has called. Secondly, it's what our culture needs. And that we're committed to being part of that. And so we've had ups and we've had downs. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to watch a video. We brought several of the original founders together, uh, both my wife and I together. And we talked about the history and the thoughts about our church as we are today. So let's just watch this for just a second. We came to Grass Valley in October of 1991. We had traveled all the way from Texas with a, a big rider truck with my car behind and a pickup that Kim was driving uh, with our cat in there. I mean, I'll never forget that moment when we stopped at the Donner rest area. 
and uh, we prayed. We just sat there together. We held hands and we prayed. And uh, one of the things I really, I distinctly remember that we prayed about was the people that God would send, the people that we would meet. We were committing ourselves for the long run here. But the same can be said of so many people who committed their lives to serving with us. And that's how this family has grown. The beginnings of Twin Cities Church 25 years ago, I guess now, uh, we had a vision. God called out a few of us uh, out of this, this church and um, asked us to begin something new. We decided we needed to do church differently. Thinking there was a new vision for church came from the idea that um, church may not be accessible to those outside the church that there were barriers that uh, churches were putting up that were actually keeping people out. And we wanted a church that was freer, more open, more welcoming to people. And uh, we just started meeting in each other's houses. So we were meeting every Sunday instead of church at somebody's house, my house and, and Miller's house. And, um, we decided, yeah, this is what we can do. It was just uh, total dependence on God because none of us knew what we were doing in terms of starting a church. We really truly didn't. I look back and I think God's the only one who knew what was going on. Well the church started growing so we started praying about uh, what we would do next. We knew that we needed to buy some land and then this is how God's faithfulness came to play. I just called all the guys I knew in our church that had a real estate experience or business, banking experience, or even building construction experience, and called them in, but I said to them, I said, okay, here's what I believe we need. I believe we need 20 acres within five minutes of the freeway, and they laughed. <laughs> and so uh, we went on a search, and that search uh, over several weeks uh, turned up absolutely nothing uh, that we could afford or that would work for us. I got a call from a man named Phil McMullen, and he called me up and he says, we've been talking about 20 acres and it's flat, it's buildable, and uh, the price is going to be amazingly affordable. Uh, and would you guys like to take the front and the lead in that? Uh, we were able to uh, go into escrow while we were in Gold Run uh, to buy this 20 acres right here for a song. And like, okay, that <laughs> was God, right? Twin Cities Church in 2017 is very much like Twin Cities Church has been all along. It's a place that reaches out to everybody. Our REACH program and what we're doing in the community and the um, Uganda trips or Mexico trips. When the people from Oroville needed to be evacuated and our church was opening its doors, that made me very proud to be a member of Twin Cities. This place provides such an opportunity to, to to serve others. But so I see the future of Twin Cities continuing this path of being a light just to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. So recently you and I had the opportunity to sit with a group of other people and design a life mission. And as I was looking at that for me, I, I thought of my two favorite Bible passages. Uh, the Great Commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors, you love yourself. And the Great Commission, 
that Jesus said that we would go into all the world and that we'd make disciples of all people everywhere and that we would baptize them and then we would teach them to obey his commands and then his promise that he would be with us always. Out of that, I developed this mission for my life, that I would live everyday life on mission with Jesus and others. That's what I want for me, and that's what I want for the life of our church. Wow, wow, thank you, thank you to those founding members especially. And I, you know, when I look at those pictures of Kim and me back then, I'm mean, like, wow, I was young. We were, we were only married a year and a half when, they, uh, when we came here, so we were newlyweds. First time I'd ever been a pastor before and when I came here. And didn't have, well, like, uh, one of the first people said in the video, we didn't know what we were doing. We were flying by the seat of our pants as we did this. And uh, I'd say we still don't know what we're doing <laughs> in many ways. So um, just so you know, okay, so it's by the seat of our pants many times as we get to do this together. But, you know, part of the whole deal... And as I've been reflecting, it has to do with the changed lives that we've been able to uh, be part of experiencing, that God has used us. It wasn't us. It was God using us. It was his power. It was his plan. It was his purpose. And then it was his presence. And as his presence has come to play, then people's lives have been changed. And uh, there's a lot of times we've been waiting on God. God, we're waiting on you, and we're, we want to see you work. And we were waiting on land. We were waiting on building. We've been waiting on opportunity. And God, what do you want us to do? And, uh, and then he would send people, and then those people's lives, we would see them be transformed and changed. Uh, and it's just been powerful. And so uh, we're going to sing a song right now uh, that talks about this idea of waiting on God. And then as we wait on God, that God then brings into our lives this opportunities to have hope and to be changed, to have hope and to be changed. But as we said last week, those of you who heard last week, everything we do, everything to the best of our human ability, everything we do is to bring glory to God. He gets all the glory for everything that we do, everything. So in this song, there's going to be opportunity. If you want to sing, join us. Please don't feel obligated to join us. But if you want to, you feel inspired, especially when we get to the bridge. It's so powerful. Just join it and sing with us. Let's listen to our team.
want you to know that as a church we want to declare again that you are the hope you are our hope and I pray now that as we embark into a new season that we will more than ever put you first more than ever put you front more than ever talk about you more than ever allow you to change us to transform us so that we can be people who impact our world. Our world needs, needs people who've been changed. We thank you, and I pray now for the rest of our time that you would get honor and glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Choir. Music. Our new set for today. Love this. So, um... As I've been thinking about this 25 years, and what do I talk about today, right? So uh, 25 years ago, uh, we launched a set of ser- uh, messages. It was a series. Uh, it was called Breaking Free. And I went back and looked at the series and what it was that we talked about when we opened those doors on March 1st, 1992. We talked about God's power uh, that was available for us to break free from the chains that hold us down or the chains that hold us captive. Well, I was thinking about that would be the kind of series I'd want to do again. Uh, but then after a lot of prayer and just a, a lot of time that, you know, as you guys have known, in the last four or five years, there's been a total transformation in our, in our church and me in our church. And uh, I was just thinking about, you know, uh, that I've talked to you about the fact that uh, we're, you know, we don't believe that we're changed by the principles of God. We believe we're changed by the presence of God. 
And so I, I just thought, we need to focus on the presence of God. And the principles of God, they work, and they're part of how he works in our lives. And, but it's really about the presence of God that changes us. And so today, I just thought I would take this a little different approach uh, as we come to this. Uh, I still believe that God wants to set us free, right? He, wants to, he just wants to set us free. And the Bible is full about his power that will deliver us and make us whole. And that's what that last song was just was all about. But what if, just what if, what if we could live in such a way that kept us from making the mistakes, making the mistakes that cause us to end up with such brokenness and pain, to have change that hold us down? What if we could live in such a way that we could move away from the things that would damage our souls? What if we could live in such a way that it could be described as flourishing, as flourishing, instead of living for the elusive promise of happiness and self-fulfillment, what if we really did live the life that God made us to live? What if? What if we could truly flourish? What if we could truly flourish? What if we could live in the reality of a flourishing life? I just say this, to flourish is a vision. It's a vision, but it's also a promise. It's a destination, a vision in front of us of a place that God wants us to be, but it's also a promise that he will be with us every step of the way. And so as we're going to see in this series, folks, we really are made to flourish. We really are. So what I want to do is I'm just going to set up this idea of what it means to flourish and then I'm going to give us some ideas about what God has to say as we kind of introduce this series that we're going to be in over the next six weeks together. We're going to look at God's original intent for the world and mankind, and we're going to use that picture of what he originally intended to draw us into this life where he wants us to walk with him and flourish. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning. So if you have your Bible today, you can open it to Genesis. I don't even have to help you know where that is. It's the first book of the Bible, okay? Genesis, okay? Genesis chapter 1. We're going all the way back to the beginning. I just want to encourage you, if you don't own a Bible, our church would love for you to own a Bible, yours. And so we want to give you one. It's our gift to you, and you can stop at the bookshelves right out there. Just They're on the rack. You just take them, take one, and uh, hopefully you can read this on your own. Love to see you have that. Also, I want to encourage you to grab these message notes out of your program because you'll be able to follow along. And take some notes today, I believe, will be very helpful as you want to reflect later on this whole idea of what it means to flourish. Now, this is really important, folks. Uh, we got to hear uh, a conference, several of our staff, in fact, all of our staff this summer went to a conference, and we heard a, a captain of the Salvation Army speak, uh, uh, this woman, as she was speaking, she talked about this concept and one of the difficulties that the church has in the world today, and the difficulty is, is that primarily many Christians and many churches, primarily what they do is they've cut off the first two chapters of the Bible and the last two chapters of the Bible. Let me explain that. Cut off the first two and the last two. So if you cut off the first two, you, create, you, you, you cut off all the beauty of what God created. You cut off the last two, you talk about God's redemption of everything that's gone wrong. But instead, what they've done is they've begun their ministry or their focus with Genesis 3. And Genesis 3 is what? The fall. 
Genesis 3 is, the, is sin. And so they began by telling people how bad they are, that they're in sin. And then they end with, Genesis, with Revelation 20 instead of 21 and 22. They end with Revelation 20, which talks about a lake of fire. How bad you are, and you're going to a lake of fire. Oh, my. Oh, my. The Bible, for many people, has become the bad news. It's the bad news story. And that's why, honestly, that's what keeps many people from coming around church people. Many people. They're always talking about bad news. They're always talking about how bad everyone is. But what if we went back to Genesis and the first two chapters and we brought them into our theology? We brought them into our existence. And we made these verses to be foundational for our biblical worldview. What if our story was based on the good, good, very good news of Genesis chapter 1? Well, that's what we're going to do in this series. And I hope that that motivated you just a little bit. I've been so excited for this series. But here's what I discovered. I discovered it was like writing a research paper. And so I got, I really, I, there was a lot of deep weeds in this as I was just digging through, how do I present Genesis chapters one and two in a way that's going to be first correct. <laughs> that's a really, really, really big deal for me. Uh, and, but then also tangible in a way that we would be able to grasp hold and wrestle with it. And so what I discovered is, is that these first two chapters in Genesis are actually some of the most debated chapters in the Bible, right? Debated chapters in the Bible. That's the reason, honestly, that many people shy away from the first two chapters of Genesis. They're shrouded in so much controversy, so it's just better to stay away. But as I've dug deep, what I discovered is that they're also full of life, full of vision, full of potential. And that has moved my soul, moved my soul to the depths. And so I just pray today that I would be able to communicate some of what I think God is doing in my heart as I've been processing these truths from Genesis. Genesis means the beginning or the origin. It means the beginning or the origin. It could also be translated as becoming. So beginning, origin, or becoming. This book of Genesis is about the origin of the world, the origin of mankind, the relationship that we would have with God and others, and then God's plan for the world. So I just want to begin with Genesis 1, 1, and I'm going to skip down and do 31a. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. After it's all over, God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. Now, folks, we live in an incredible age, wouldn't you say? Uh, just Google. I'll just say incredible age, right? We live in an incredible age of information and images and pictures. I just want to show you some pictures of creation. I just pulled, I just pulled up some this week. I thought, these will show us. Amazon, uh, where we go right there, we've got... Yosemite, uh, beautiful. Oh, man, isn't that awesome? Just soaring in the winds. Mighty power. I just love that picture. Oh, <laughs> creation. Oh that's, oh, that's so sweet. And then the joy of being human. The joy of being human. And then we have, you know, we have a picture. This is our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy. And um, I just wanted to, you to see this today and, and just understand that, uh, in, uh, that before like 1995, something like that, that uh, many people thought that there were just a few galaxies. In fact, some actually said there was only one galaxy, our galaxy. And so what they, but then we had the Hubble telescope, right? And so the Hubble telescope goes up and now pr the predictions jumped up to there were between 100 billion and 200 billion galaxies. Well, last year, a new estimate came out based upon what they've been observing through the Hubble telescope that there's really more likely to be 
two trillion galaxies. Two trillion galaxies that God has made, that God put into place. Incredible creation. But what it says in that verse from Genesis, it says when God was finished with all this, he said it's very good. And so I'll just say it this way. His intent for creation is that creation would flourish. That was his intent. These verses are full of meaning and truth. Look what it says in Genesis 1.28 there. It says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. He's talking to the man and the woman he had just created. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So reign over all of that. So I really love that command. And uh, as we were having our last series called Be the Hope, uh, I did a lot of reflecting on the command. It's also a command and a promise to be fruitful and multiply. So we're about being fruitful and multiply, but we can't make it happen. So it's a promise that God does as we're engaged with him and his purposes. And so what happened, here it is. This is a promise from God. This is a promise from God that he wanted mankind to flourish. That's what he designed. Designed it to be a place where mankind would flourish, and flourishing was a gift from him. So it was just an existence, but it was a gift from him. But as we're going to see in the series in a couple of weeks, this gift from him was also our vocation. We were made to flourish. Making our lives flourish as our vocation. What it is that God called us to do in the Garden of Eden, and we were to labor together for the good of others and creation. Vocation. God called us to that. So uh, somewhere around 2,500 years ago, uh, the philosopher Aristotle, he was reflecting on this whole idea of flourishing, and he said these words. I put them on your notes, uh, even though this is not from the Bible, and I'm going to explain a little bit about what I think he was saying here. But he says this, flourishing, he's trying to wrestle with what it means to flourish. Flourishing is the innate potential in each individual to live a life of enduring happiness. So he was you know, saying enduring happiness as opposed to what the cultural definition of happiness is. Cultural definition of happiness is it's based on circumstances. And so it's something that I have in the moment, but it's something that doesn't last. But he says inside of us is this desire, and I'm going to say it was given to us by God, for an enduring happiness. And so when we flourish, we are investing in things that will last. And then he says this penetrating wisdom. So when he says penetrating wisdom here, uh, what I think that it means for us is that what he was saying is, is that we just aren't smart enough to do what we're called to do. We're just not. Honest. We're just not smart enough. And therefore, we need a wisdom outside of ourselves. And that wisdom out of our side of ourselves, it comes from God. He is the, the beautiful one of wisdom. And you read Proverbs and just talk about the beauty that wisdom is described as. And then it says, optimal well-being. Well, I, I just think about my body right now, okay? <laughs> Optimal well-being. And, you know, just how hard I try to make sure that my body is in good shape. And yet that seems like as I try, I also have these other things that get in the way, like donuts, okay? <laughs> you know, and so I'm not living with optimal well-being because I have about 20 pounds on my body that don't belong there. And so, but the view is from God is that we would learn to live in such a way that our, we have optimal well-being physically, emotionally, spiritually, in relationship with others. And lastly, authentic love and compassion. And, and biblically, this is what we're talking about here, is that God put us in the Garden of Eden, perfect place, is that we would have unhindered, undiv no division, no hatred, relationships with others. 
and that we would not only have love, but we would have compassion, that we would then respond and we would help people in need. Uh, that's a pretty good definition, honestly, of what it means to flourish. And if you're like me, I really, really want that. I really, really want that. Now, let's compare that. What does the Bible have to say about flourishing? Let's just listen to the, the words of the Bible as it talks about flourishing. Well, in the Bible, the concept or idea of flourishing is best described by the Hebrew word, you want to write this down, shalom. The Hebrew word shalom. It's not a word that we're unfamiliar with. We understand this word, but I don't think we really know what it means. Uh, what does it mean, shalom? So if you look in the concept of flourishing, you're, you're, many times if you read your Bible, you're going to find that these two words are used in conjunction with one another. And, and I would say that, uh, that shalom is actually a synonym of flourishing. And then now what I want to do is I want to give you some synonyms of shalom so that you know what shalom means. You want to write these down, just some ideas. First, it means wholeness. It means wholeness. It means to be complete in every way. Some versions of the Bible, you're going to see shalom translated as welfare. Welfare. And what it means is all your needs are met. So shalom is I'm living in a place that all my needs are met. Uh, it means peace. Other places you'll find shalom is translated as peace. It means no war, no conflict, no anxiety, no fear. It means nothing broken. My daughter um, texted me this week with a picture, and she was, I could see her hand, and I could see the front of her car, and I could see her holding a piece of plastic that was falling off. And, um, you know, we just got this car, and it was used, but uh, as we got it, but all of a sudden I'm saying, this car, we bought it because of its reliability. And so as we're sitting there, she's showing me this car. Even what we think is the most reliable in our world is not. But in flourishing with God, it's a promise that nothing is broken. Everything as it should be. Next, nothing missing. Nothing missing. Uh, guys, I just think if, if we were to think about this concept right now, this is what drives our culture is the fact that we all feel, have you ever said this word? There's just something missing right now. I, I, there's just something I, I need right now. I just don't know what it is. There's something missing. We think that. But when the Bible says when we understand shalom and we have it, there's nothing missing. The bottom line is that shalom is the way things ought to be. The way things ought to be. Last thing. And this is kind of the bottom line, and I would just say this, the way things ought to be according to God. Now, listen to this. This is Dr. Cornelius Plantinga, Plantinga okay? And I found this uh, article that he wrote about this idea of shalom, and this is what he says. It's on the screen if you want to follow along. The webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight is what the Old Testament prophets call shalom. I've used some of those thoughts just now as we've gone through this. We call it peace, but it means more than just mere peace of mind or ceasefire among enemies. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight, a rich state of affairs, notice this, that inspires joyful wonder, that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes in the creatures whom he delights. So when we're living in Genesis 1, the reality of Genesis 1, we're living in flourishing. We're 
living in shalom, it's going to create wonder in us, and then that wonder of us, wonder in us, is going to just going to leak out, and others are going to see that, and they'll say, "Wow, I want what you have, because you have what my heart seeks for." See, the definition of flourishing goes deeper than just the good life. It's the way life was meant to be. Now, these next blanks, you want to fill these in. We're going to focus on this in this series. But shalom is inclusive of these things. First, having a right relationship with God. Having a right relationship with God. We'll talk about that a little bit today, but it'll be several times in the series we talk about that. Having a right relationship with self. So I need to know who I am and why I was made and why I'm here. And those uh, things will help me to live in shalom with others. With others. So I need to have shalom and the relationships I have with other people. And then lastly, with creation. God cares about creation, folks. And he calls us into creation care as well. And so when I'm living in a place of shalom, I have, I'm interested in all of these things. Now, some of you already done it, but turn your notes over on the back side. And I just want to talk for just a few minutes about the first 10 words of Genesis 1. First 10 words of Genesis 1. And I put this under the heading of embracing the God of creation, embracing the God of creation, because I believe this is the pathway to to flourishing, this is the pathway to shalom, is that we have to understand these first 10 words of Genesis, the first 10 words. They're so powerful. Four key foundational truths of the Christian faith, four keys. And the first one is this, God is the eternal originator. God is the eternal originator. He is the pre-existent being. He is the uncaused cause. He is the uncreated creator. All of that from that first phrase, in the beginning. That God was in existence before anything else. And the writer of Genesis wants us to know this. He wants us to realize that God was the originator of all that we see, that God existed before anything else was in existence. There was never a time that God did not exist. Before the world began, God was already there. According to the Bible, God is the only one, the only thing, the only object, the only being with no beginning. No beginning. And because God has no beginning, therefore, everything that exists, exists because of him. Exists because of him. Everything finds its origin in him. And since God is the eternal originator, then everything finds its meaning in him. And everything can find the way it can be fulfilled through him because he designed it. Okay? Next, God is the powerful creator. He's the powerful creator. I'm going to add one word in the beginning. God. This is where I wish I was Morgan Freeman. You know, I just wish I was Morgan Freeman. Could just do it the way that he would it would come out right now. In the beginning, God. You know, just like this way he could do that would just be so powerful. Now, that word God there, it's from the Hebrew word Elohim, and it means mighty in power. All power. Mighty in power. It means that God has the power to do anything he wants, any way he chooses. Any way. That word Elohim also indicates that God has always existed as one God who is plural, who is three. Elohim is a plural representation 
So one God who was three, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And flourishing is a vision, it's a vision of a preferred future that we all want, but I'll just say it this way, in the beginning, God, that we will only know flourishing when we personally put God at the center, when we put him at the center. See, the problem we're going to look at in a few weeks from now, the problem we talk about alienation that began with Adam and Eve, is that our desire as mankind, even from this place of perfection in the Garden of Eden, the desire of mankind was to erase God from the equation, to erase God from the equation. Why? We want to be our own gods. And anytime that we choose to be our own gods, we create chaos, destruction, hopelessness, brokenness, division, hate, and hurt. Just start reading after, you know, start with Genesis 6 and just go on and just read about the introduction of all these things into our world because we chose to be our own gods. And that's why this is so important, folks. Here it is. We are products of our beliefs. We are products of our beliefs. And since, as a culture, humankind, has extracted God from the center of culture, we're reaping, we're reaping the fruit of that choice. Reaping the fruit because we are products of our beliefs. And folks, we, I'll just say this, we can only flourish under God's control. Number three, God is the limitless source. He's the limitless source. He's unlimited in his creativity. So in the beginning, God created. Uh, that word created uh, in the, the Bible is only used in reference to God. So that particular word, Hebrew word, is only used in reference to God. And it's a word that means to create out of nothing. To create out of nothing. It means to create something that wasn't there before. So just give you an idea. He's an artist who can create without art supplies. Now, every artist has to have some supply in some way, but God didn't need anything. He created out of nothing. He speaks everything out of nothing. But see, folks, God is not limited. This is where some of us need to wrestle with this. God is not limited by the processes we can see. He's not limited by the paradigms that we look at in our world. He is outside of our reality, and therefore, he's able to create and sustain all we see, create from Nothing. And then last idea, God is the master designer. He designed it all, and he designed it all to work in harmony. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God designed creation to fit together and work together in a harmonious state of union. He created it complex, and he created it unified. Point is this. God, the pre-existent being, God, all-powerful being, three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, with his unlimited power and his unlimited creativity, unlimited source, unlimited resources, he designed, this is where it's so key, folks, he designed the heavens and the earth in such a way that everything would be in harmony, everything would be in unity, that everything would flourish, but it all boils down to whether or not you will allow God to be the center. 
whether you allow him to call the shots, whether you will believe in him, whether you will trust him, and whether you will follow him. Folks, I'll just tell you this. I'm discovering more and more we are made to flourish. We are made to flourish. And God designed life so that we would truly flourish when we have him at the center. It's his original intent. It's called the with God life. That with God, with God, everything is a with God life. It's a with God existence that I'm listening to him and I'm following him in every way. I'm not trying to extract him from the middle. I'm not trying to extract him from calling the shots. I'm not trying to extract him from being in control, but I'm willing to come before him. As we sang today, I'm willing to bow before him and I'm going to say to him, you're God and I'm not. You're God and I'm not. Lead me in the path to flourishing. Lead me in that path. The bottom line of the fall is that of mankind. The bottom line is this. We're the only creatures with the ability to reason. We made a decision to take God out of the center and put ourselves at the center. And what I'm calling us to do in this series is that we'd be willing to go against our innate nature that would want us to pull God from the center and that we would place him in the middle so that now... I live in a reality where I say, God, you call the shots, and I'll do what you say. And then God said, Genesis 31, God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. It was very good. We're going to stop there. I'm going to stop there for today. I'm going to pick up next week. I'm going to talk more about the first chapter of Genesis next week. I'm going to talk more about how he's designed it to work together. I'm going to talk about his design next week. And I just want to encourage you between now and next week that you would, you would just wrestle, wrestle with this concept. The, the concept is that God is the center. And I'm just going to ask this. Will you, will you allow him to be the center of your life? Would you bow your heads? Let's pray together. Well, God, I know that I've lived both ways. I've lived with you at the center. And I've lived with you without being the center of my world. And I know that there are people in this room who have done the same. And that as we live with, with you not in the center, that the fruit of that is pain, suffering, harshness, relational breakdown, difficulty, lost dreams, hurt. So, Father, I pray today that every one of us would just say right now that it would be our heart. And, and I know for some of you, this is just hard, just hard right now, because you're not sure you're, you're really by the fact that God did all of this. And, and I just want to tell you, it's, it is by faith, but it's not blind faith. And I just want to ask, would you be willing today to say to God, 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 I want to see what it's like to place you first in my life. 
And then all of us would just say in our hearts, God, we want to put you first in our lives. We want to put you at the center. And I pray that you would help us to live that way. Because we believe we were made to flourish. And we look at our lives now and we know we're not flourishing. So God, guide us and lead us so that as Jesus said, that we would have life in all its fullness. And I thank you, Jesus, that you made that possible. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.